Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want to plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Today, Larry has a great guest on the show. That's Michael Freed. Michael is a partner at Berkman, Bodger, Newman & Shine, LLP, an experienced litigator and trial attorney practicing exclusively in the field of matrimonial and family law since 1997. Michael has assisted high net worth individuals in navigating difficult matters relating to equitable distribution, child support, spousal maintenance, and contested custody matters with patience, skill, and sensitivity. Michael has volunteered his time and trial expertise to the law students of Toro Law School. Michael Freed, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Larry, thank you so much for bringing Michael on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Good to, good to talk to you, Eric. Always good to talk to you, Larry. I, I'm, I'm excited. Michael and you and I had an opportunity to do some joking around before the show started. Uh, great personality. Obviously, this is why you brought him onto the show. What are you guys talking about today? Well, we're talking about divorce today, Eric. So, uh, so w- why don't we kind of get into it? Uh, before we actually talk about the divorce and really the three types of divorce that we're going to cover, um, Michael, why don't you kind of give us an update of kind of what's going on in the divorce world? Do you see kind of a lot of activity picking up uh, as we continue in this pandemic? Yeah, thanks, Larry. Uh, in, since March, when the pandemic began, March of 2020, I've seen a, a steady increase in activity in the courts. And since I would say around June or July, the courts now are taking new divorce filings. And uh, our court appearances are actually taking place online. Um, on uh, It was originally Skype for Business, and now it's through Microsoft Teams. So the interesting thing is, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, if I had a court appearance at 9.30 in the morning, I may not actually see that judge till 10.30 or 11 a.m. Now with the, the advent of, uh, of, of, of doing everything online, we're now, if we have a, a, a 10 a.m. court appearance, at 10 a.m., we go on Microsoft Teams and everybody is there. The judge is there, the other attorneys are there, the parties are there. So it's become much more efficient and uh, it's, it's less time waiting, which is actually better for the clients because they're not paying for me just sitting around waiting. Hmm. So, I, I, so I guess even in this pandemic, there's some positive that comes, comes out. What about, have you seen, uh, is there a pickup in more divorces going on now? Well, I wouldn't say there's a, a, a pickup because there are a lot of issues in terms of actual filing for divorce uh, in the way that we deal with equitable distribution of assets when we're distributing assets such as businesses, they're valued at the time that the divorce starts. So what's been happening is that if you start an action during the pandemic, the value of the business is actually could be lower than what it actually is. So when I represent a non-titled spouse, I would be advising them to hold off the filing because at this point, businesses are 
deteriorating. And when there's ultimately a valuation, it's it, these assets are going to be valued. These businesses are going to be valued at the time that the divorce action started. So I've been telling clients, wait, let's see what, what happens with the economy. Um, and, and it also this delay is, is important because it's giving them a, a chance to think about whether they really want to go through with the divorce and whether they're mentally prepared for the divorce. So it's, it's, I would say there are still filings, but I think people are being a little more hesitant to jump into the divorce at this time because there's really so much uncertainty, especially with the way the economy is these days. So on the flip side, because I think I remember reading about some high powered um, business owners actually now trying to push through a divorce in this time, I guess, because the business value is going to be lower, correct? Oh, that's right. So if, if you're representing the, the titled spouse, um, you'd certainly want to start this action now because you want to try to get the, the lower value. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm dealing with a case right now where I represent a uh, non-titled spouse and her husband owns a medical practice. But the practice, uh, the I'm sorry, the action for divorce started back in July of 2020. So that put that put me at a distinct disadvantage. So what I'm trying to ask now for the court is, while I know that you take the value as of the date of commencement, I'm asking the court for the ability to value this asset as of the date of trial, which these days could be anywhere from the end of 2021 to 2022, when hopefully, you know, that the economy is going to pick up vaccinations are going to go through and there'll be a better uh, a chance that the the business will be on the upswing so it really depends on on you know who you're representing at this point uh, certainly with the business owner would make sense to try to to move quickly to basically start the action for divorce and see if you can get that valuation date happening in the middle of the pandemic hmm. So there are a lot of different matrimonial firms in New, in New York. So if somebody is kind of like decided, oh, I, I'm really contemplating going through a divorce, you know, where do they go? What sets your firm apart from others? Well, one of the one of the biggest ways in which we we distinguish ourselves from other matrimonial firms is that we have three different ways of resolving disputes. So when somebody's looking to to end their marriage, they have three different ways they can go. The first way is through mediation. So mediation is a process in which there's a neutral party, the mediator, who, who's most of the times is an attorney, will be there almost like a, a co-pilot, um, basically guiding everybody through what the issues are. The, the husband and wife sit with the mediator, and they say, okay, we have custody issues, we have financial issues. And the mediator isn't going to uh, represent either one of these parties, they're neutral. But what they will do is, in general, discuss what the, the law is, and try to basically build a bridge to get them, the, the husband and the wife to a resolution. And so they, you said there were three ways. So that's one. Well, the other way is through collaborative law. 
collaborative law is also a just like in mediation and a non-adversarial process. But in collaborative law, what you have is that each party, the husband and wife, have an attorney representing them. But before they move forward in the case, they sign a collaborative contract. And what that is, is that uh, these attorneys and their, their clients agree to try to work things out on a collaborative basis, basically working together as a team. And not only do you have the attorneys and the parties, but sometimes the collaborative attorneys will bring on other experts, such as a divorce coach and maybe a, um, uh, a, special, a specialist in terms of custody or finances. Maybe there's an accountant there. And everybody's working together collaboratively to arrive at a, uh, an agreement that will resolve all the outstanding issues in the case. Now, the difference between collaborative law and mediation is obviously you have attorneys representing both parties in the collaborative process. Um, and in collaborative law, if you somehow are unable to resolve your case and you have to go to court, the collaborative lawyer cannot represent the parties in court. So what that does is it incentivizes the parties to try to resolve their disputes or else these attorneys are out and then they have to start the process over with new attorneys and getting those attorneys uh, acquainted with the case and it becomes time-consuming and expensive because then you end up going to the last way of resolving disputes and that's through litigation. Now, there are instances when you have to go to litigation and you really can't go to the other two ways through mediation and or collaborative law. And that's when there's there are real contested issues dealing with custody or, or, or support or equitable distribution, or if there are instances in which there's domestic violence. Um, that in those instances, it's pre preferable to proceed in the litigation uh, context. So, okay, so we've covered the three different types so what are the pros and the cons for, for each, of the, each of the types? So with mediation, mediation is normally a, a quicker process um, and less expensive than the other two processes. Uh, with mediation, husband and wife will, uh, will meet with the mediator and attempt to resolve the, the, their dispute. And in the event that they do, the mediator will actually work towards preparing the agreement that will ultimately be executed and work on the necessary documents that have to be executed in order for uh, a judgment of divorce to be executed by the judge. That's the last document that would officially make the parties divorce, a, a judgment of divorce that's signed by a judge. So the mediation process, if, if both parties are willing, ready, willing, and able to cooperate with each other, it's definitely the, uh, the fastest and, and most uh, uh, expeditious way to, to go. Um, in terms of collaborative law, the advantage of doing collaborative law is you're still looking at it as a non-adversarial process. But the difference is you have now attorneys that are representing the party. So it's good for people that maybe they're not well-versed in finances 
and they need that assistance of an attorney. Whereas in mediation, you're, you're working with a mediator, but that mediator is not representing you. So you, a, a collaborative lawyer will represent your interest and work towards getting you the best resolution possible. But, uh, in, and so in that context, it's, it's a better way of handling it than having a mediation where you're, uh, you're having somebody that's really a neutral party to, to, to work through the issues. And then finally with, with litigation, um, I, I always say that it's better to go forward with litigation if you are the more passive uh, uh, person in the relationship. Um, because if you are the, the more of the proactive person, I think you know mediation is always a better way to go. Um, but when you are more passive and you need that assistance, mediation is not uh, the best way to go. And uh, sometimes going, through, going forward toward in litigation would be more advantageous. And just to, uh, Larry, just to point out, in our firm, Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine, we're one of the larger uh, New York City matrimonial firms that provide all three ways of handling disputes. So we have partners that handle mediation and collaborative law. And we also have partners that handle the litigation, which is what I do. I primarily handle the trial work, the depositions, the court appearances. Well, let's just point out too, it doesn't mean just because it's litigation that it's going to go through litigation, correct? That's correct, Larry. So I would say approximately 5% of cases are actually go to the end to trial. Most of my cases are resolved. And, and that's always my goal when I'm representing someone is to try to get them in and get them out as quickly as possible. Um, the, and when, I, when they're going down the route of litigation, you could always try to resolve a dispute uh, before the action for divorce starts or even after the, the action for divorce starts. In fact, there are many instances in which I've resolved cases even within the courthouse. Um, and so that's something that, you know, that people that are looking to, uh, to move forward with the divorce, they have some apprehension about being in a courtroom. Just because an action for divorce starts does not mean that you can't resolve a case. And oftentimes they are done out of court. So, Somebody decides that they want to pursue a divorce. I mean, we're talking about these three different uh, methods, but most people, I would say, don't aren't aware of them or if they are vaguely aware of them. So somebody calls up an attorney, they get referred to an attorney and they say, I want to get divorced. And if they're going to a firm that doesn't offer these services, that attorney may not even even mention that to somebody. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, Michael, you know, I really want to get divorced. What is the first kind of discussion that you have with them? Well, the first thing that I discuss is I try to get a sense of their relationship with their spouse. If if they tell me I can't stand the other person, I can't look them in the eye, I can't look her in the eye. Well, then I know I'm knocking out mediation because if they can't even look at each other or speak to each other, they're not gonna cooperate, which is 
necessary in order to proceed with the with the mediation. Um, in terms of collaborative law, um, it, it you know it really depends because again, the collaborative law is is an effective tool, but it could also be expensive, and there may be instances where somebody is saying, "I really, I want to move forward with the case. I'm concerned that my um, my husband or my wife is going to drag things out and not be cooperative again." So when there's no cooperation, uh, that's something where I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is not a case for mediation. This is not a case for collaborative law. As well as, again, if I see that there's been domestic violence, I always, in my initial intake, always ask my client whether or not there have been instances of, of physical uh, abuse or mental abuse. And in those instances, I entirely eliminate the, the discussion as to whether or not there should be um, um, either a mediation or a collaborative, uh, collaborative law. So you, you mentioned collaborative being more expensive. So I, I, have you seen an uptake in, in collaborative and also mediation? Because I guess some people um, are going to mediation because the costs could be less than a litigation. So there actually have been an increase since COVID. Uh, there's been an increase in court-ordered mediations. So I've had instances where I've been in a knockout, knockdown, dragout fight, and uh, the judge has made a suggestion that there be court-ordered mediation. And in fact, as a as an attorney, I've actually attended these mediations with my clients on over Zoom. And uh, the advantage of doing that is that these, these court-ordered mediations, they can be scheduled uh, for week after week after week in order to keep the momentum going. Whereas when you have a, a, a litigation, oftentimes you'll have a court appearance and then it'll be moved. The next appearance may not be for another three to four months. So courts are doing the, their best. They're, at this point during COVID, they're so overloaded. And I have to say, I give the courts credit. They're doing everything they can to try to, to get it to as many cases as possible. But sometimes, especially in this age of COVID, these conferences are lasting maybe 15 or 20 minutes. So they realize that if they can move the case over to uh, to a, a mediator, the parties could have one to two hours to discuss these issues and then come back in another week over Zoom and try to resolve their case. So I'm seeing more of an interplay between even the litigation and then court-ordered mediation so that I'm working as, even though I'm a litigator, I'm basically being an attorney that's working with my client within the mediation process to try to move the case to its conclusion. So you're acting kind of as a, as a coach or a consultant. Is that how it works? I, I, I actually get become a consulting attorney. So I try, you know, the, in, in, in all mediators are different. There are some mediators that are very hands-on and others that are more, uh, you know, let the parties talk. I try not to talk too much during the mediation, but I do lend information, legal information, my legal perspective on, on the cases. 
uh, when, when we're discussing a certain issue, such as maybe child support, how much I think that the child support should be, or in terms of custody, dealing with an access schedule, I'll, I'll give my, my legal opinion. But most of the times I'm there to basically work with the mediator to guide them on what issues should be discussed. So that's a court-appointed mediation that you're actually in the meetings. But normally when you're going through a mediation, it would the attorneys, the consulting attorneys would not be in the meetings, correct? That's right, Larry. So what happens in those instances is that I will sometimes speak to my, well, I will speak to my clients before they go to mediation and talk to them about what issues they should be uh, focusing on and giving them a roadmap as to what they should be uh, discussing. And then after the mediation, I get a debrief, a debriefing from, from the client as to what happened and that gives me enough information that I could guide them to their next meeting. And ultimately, if we, if the parties come to an agreement and the mediator drafts the agreement, as a consulting attorney for the mediation, I'm there to review the agreement to make sure that it properly represents the terms of settlement and it's and is most advantageous to my client. So I, I would think then one of the pros of mediation, if it works properly from a uh, person that's going through a divorce is the expenses could be less in a mediation than in the other two um, methods. It, it could be less expenses, expensive provided that both parties stay on a cooperative level and they're willing to work with one another to come to a resolution. Once one party takes a line in the sand, that makes the mediation more difficult. And there are often situations in which one party will terminate that mediation and move forward towards litigation. And I oftentimes I, I'm brought in on cases where the mediations have failed and the parties are ready to move their disputes into court. But in that case, if you are a consulting attorney, you can stay on as the lit in the litigation. But if you are in the collaborative method, you wouldn't be able to stay on. That that's correct. That once there's a litigation in the collaborative law context, the attorneys will then have to relinquish their representation, and the parties have to get new counsel. Wow, that's a lot for a layperson who's emotionally even, you know, going through a divorce to try to really figure out up front what's the best way to go. And then obviously they have to talk to their spouse and get on the same get on the same page to determine which method would work both both for both of them. Correct. Well, that's true. And a lot of times what ends up happening is one party will meet with a lawyer, let's say, you know, a client comes to meet with me, goes home and then talks to their spouse about, well, I, you know, I've, I met with a lawyer, let's try to do this amicably. And then the next thing you know, the other side decides I'm going to take all the money out of the joint account. And then, you know, I get that call saying he didn't, or she didn't take it too well. And then I said, well, that's 
looks like this is a situation where we're going to have to litigate the case. And so um, I've had instances where parties have tried to do that, but the courts uh, are, are knowledgeable about these, these uh, situations. And if somebody tries to take all the money out of the account, it's easily detectable through what we call financial discovery. And ultimately we, we work it out where that money will be recouped. Oh boy. So any final words, anything else that you think our listening audience should know about the different, different methods of divorce? Well, I think the most important thing for anybody that's contemplating a divorce, whether they want to go through the mediation, collaborative or litigation processes, they shouldn't be doing this alone. Too many times I've seen people that feel that they, they can handle the, themselves in, in a courtroom and they don't need the help of counsel. They don't want to pay for counsel. And nine times out of 10, they come to me after the fact and it's usually uh, where I'm trying to clean up a mess. And, and I, I, I tell people uh, all the time that, you know, if you have a, a foot problem, you go to a foot doctor, you, 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 you have a back problem, you go to a back doctor, you don't, and you don't go to just a general person, you want to, you want to get somebody that knows the law, specifically knows the judges in each of the counties that these people are going to be living in. And you don't want to do things alone. And you want to make sure you have competent legal counsel, somebody that that's experienced that knows what, ha what, what goes on, knows the law. But, but I always tell people it's very important not to just take the first attorney that you meet. It's okay to see two or three attorneys, get a sense of, of, of these individuals, because you have to be able to work with these people. You have to feel comfortable with the person that you ultimately hire. So I always say, say to people, look, if you, you go to see two or three attorneys, this is a big decision. You're dealing with, with decisions about who's going to be taking care of your children, who's going to be making decisions for your children, and, and how much are you going to be paying in support? These are decisions that aren't that shouldn't be taken lightly. And that's why it's important to do your, do your research, find the right attorney for you, somebody that you can work with and you can trust. All great points, Michael. So for those out there in the listening audience, uh, hopefully you've, you've, you've learned a lot about the different types of methods that are out there to, to guide you or steer you in, in, in a direction that works for you. And if you'd want to learn more about that, um, feel free. I would suggest you reach out to, to Michael. You can find him at either uh, berkbot.com, B-E-R-K-B-O-T.com, or call his office at 212-867-9123. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. This was great. Larry, it was a, pr a pleasure, and, and thank you for having me on your show. Gentlemen, this was fantastic. Um, Michael, I was just thinking as you were giving so much information, it's, it's, it's very similar to what Larry and I have said before, or Larry has said before for sure, this is not a DIY situation. Doing it yourself, whether it comes to divorce or uh, managing finances, creating financial plans, it's very, very complicated. And so professionals are out there to, to help and, and step up. Uh, Michael, thank you for being on the show. And of course, Larry, thank you so much for bringing Michael on the show. Did you have any closing thoughts today, Larry? 
No, just uh, again, uh, like I said before, this is an important factor and don't rush in any decisions like Michael mentioned, find the right person for right person for you that could uh, that, that could be your advocate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, gentlemen, thank you so much. And of course, the last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Retire Right podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.